Hey Salt, good to see you this afternoon. Good to see the McDonald's back with us as well after their little journey into the Salt community up at uh, Kingscliff where we got about 10 photos of Salt cafes, Salt bars, Salt hotels. Um, great to see. Um, as the storm raged, the captain realised his ship was sinking fast. He called out, anyone here know how to pray? One man stepped forward, I captain, I know how to pray. Good, said the captain. You pray while the rest of us put in our life jackets. We're only one short. There we go. Can we smile with our eyes? The masks are a bit of an obstacle. I thought I'd try and break that down this afternoon. Uh, my name is Greg, and if we haven't met before, I'm a school teacher by day. Um, I've been around here at Salt for a few years with my wife Tammy and five awesome little kids. Uh, we're Bonnie Hills natives. We really enjoy doing ministry here in Bonnie Hills and surround and love being a part of the Salt community. Um, it is an absolute pleasure to come here and look at the Word with you tonight. Uh, though undergunned with knowledge and wisdom, I feel, um, I'm really comforted by how this works. That is, uh, for the next 20 minutes or so, I hope that my words are the Spirit speaking to all of us. Uh, that certainly has been my prayer. So uh, I'd like to be faithful to Scripture and that His Spirit would be with us tonight. Indulge me, please, in that. And a little reference to last week, I'm pumped. We're sad not to see that video today. Can we pray again? Is that all right? Uh, Lord, when it, when it is all said and done, we don't have anywhere else to go but you. We've come together this afternoon with expectant hearts. And I pray through looking at your word and understanding it more and letting your spirit work here amongst us in this little community, that we are excited by your gospel. We'd be encouraged by the work that we do, and we'd be excited to keep doing more and more. Amen. Just a little recap of where we've been for the last couple of weeks. Uh, in week one, we've been looking at this mini-series in Matthew 9. Jordan emphasised that it is Jesus alone that directs us to God. Last week... Brother Marty and his Uggies, I thought I'd follow through this week in my thongs, reminded us of the trustworthiness of putting our hope in Jesus. He showed through the scriptures the different responses to King Jesus and encouraged us to stand in amazement at the awesome King that we have, not to trust in our money, not to trust in our looks, not to trust in our stuff, but in Jesus. Amen. So this little part of scripture has brought a whole lot of action. Leading up to this point, it's read like a little, a little red-hot script of a Marvel movie. Jesus is paralyzed, Jesus is healing, healing paralysed men. He's calling men to follow him. He's raising people from the dead. He's driving out demons. And the responses to this have been many and varied. But the Messiah has arrived. And that leads us to this week and our passage tonight. Thanks for reading that, Ness. Um, if I could point you to, as we always do, Macca's uh, little handy handouts. Um, on page three, there's a little outline there. Um, I've titled this sermon, Here I Am, Pick Me. So if you could please follow along. I'll take you back to 1990. A podgy little 13-year-old Greg Hickey, standing in the chapel, singing these songs, singing this song. I, the Lord of sea and sky, I have heard my people cry. All who dwell in dark and sin, my hand will save. I who made the stars of night, I will make their darkness bright. Who will bear my light to them? 
whom shall I send? Should I do this? Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. I will hold your people in my heart. Sorry about a little bit of singing there. I really wanted to do a little bit more than that. Maybe, maybe at the end. Um, we're here tonight to hear, remember, listen and be encouraged about King Jesus and our role to go and share the gospel of Christ with others. That's very, very cool. And we are here reminded, like the words of this song, that we are here to send and we are here to be sent. This passage is going to remind us of the character of Christ and his response to our suffering. I hope it also excites us about the role that we have as workers to go and be part of doing the stuff of ministry to those we encounter. So let's have a closer look. Let's go to verse 35, point one in our handout. Point one in our handout. And it says, Jesus proclaims and Jesus does. I'll read it again. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. So we see a few things here. One is that Jesus is teaching in the synagogues to to Israel, God's chosen people. He's offering Israel the first chance to take part in sharing the news that confirms the 700-year-old prophecy from Isaiah. 700 years is a long time. I guess the full packing of this, of this idea can be for another time, but what we know is that Jesus wanted the gospel to go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and the ends of the earth. To Warhope, to Bonnie Hills, to Port Macquarie, to Telegraph Point, to Lake Caddo even, sorry, and the rest of the earth. It's this mandate, this mission, this modus operandi that I hope brings us all to this place tonight. Two, Jesus' ministry is characterised by preaching, teaching and miraculous power. There is no denying that King Jesus, no denying King Jesus and his attention, his intention to shepherd in, to show off and bring in the kingdom of God, a kingdom like no other, where no pain is known, no death is known, no fear is known where our rebellious hearts have found reconciliation with God. Amen. But thirdly, and maybe I'll camp out a little bit more on this one, is that the ministry of Jesus is not limited to proclaiming, but also doing. The ministry of Jesus is not limited to proclaiming, but also doing. Does anyone else like John Stott? John Stott. He died about 10 years ago. He was a 90-year-old Englishman um, and a very, very famous man of the faith. I really enjoyed his writings and I've read a lot of his books. And he said this somewhere. It stuck with me for a long time. Gospel, bro- gospel proclamation needs gospel demonstration. And gospel demonstration needs gospel proclamation. Now, I'm not going to argue around the edges of... of All of that, but in principle, gospel proclamation needs gospel demonstration and gospel demonstration needs gospel proclamation. I guess I say that because I'm proud of the things that we've done here at Salt. We are a church that wholeheartedly believes in the authority and the beauty of the scriptures. 
God's word and his word alone breathes life into this community through the reading and the proclaiming of the truth, truths of the Bible. And praise God for Macca doing that week in and week out. We read it, we study it, we test our lives against it, and it stands true and speaks life to our lives in the midst of many other voices. We want to see our people in salt grips doing this. We want to dig into the word personally. And we are blessed, as I said, each week with great sermon, great biblical teaching, with faithfulness in doing that. Are we pumped? Amen. But what was Jesus proclaiming? He was proclaiming the good news. I don't know. We're all at different points, I guess. But have we all encountered the good news of the kingdom? Have we all acknowledged our rebellion? It's even hard to say it if you really grasp it. Our rebellion against the creator God and accepted the free gift. I hope you have. But we're also a community that acts and demonstrates. We really do punch above our weight, don't we? Can I remind you that during the floods, this little community was part of giving away five to ten thousand dollars. Indulge me more. Thousands of dollars given on food vouchers, stacks of meals to people in need, walls ripped out, tip runs done, houses hosed down and swept, hugs and cookies given a moment in need. That within this community, we continue to build valuable connections, as Marty talked about before, of love, kindness, action and mercy within schools, surf clubs, the chaplaincy favour that's been received down there and the reputation of our community through action and love and mercy. Can I remind us of the gospel work that's been done in doing some heavy lifting around the course of Christianity Explored, where people have been made comfortable, people have cooked, been cooked for, hospitality's been provided for people to hear and respond to the love of Jesus. Can I remind us about the break, to, the, the break of dawn at Bonnie's each Wednesday morning, that faithful men gather at Fight Club and soak this community in the spirit of God, where several non-believers have taken a seat at the table and been encouraged and responded to Jesus. Can I remind you that within lounge rooms, on bench seats and on telephones, people from this little community of salt have listened, have acted, have checked in, have encouraged others to keep going and look to Jesus for their hope. If we had time, we could ask for more. There's plenty. But what's my point? Well, Jesus comes to proclaim, Jesus comes to demonstrate And I think we're doing that. So if nothing for the last five minutes has been a little celebration of some of that great stuff that's been going on around this church as a mandate of what Jesus has asked us to do. I think we should celebrate that and keep going. Point two in the handout. Jesus is a compassionate God. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. Interesting state, isn't it? like sheep without a shepherd. The people, the crowds have come out to see Jesus. Jesus has been at work. But we get some insight to the crowd and the state of that crowd. There's a picture that we get, isn't there? I mean, I'm no farmer, but the picture that I get, I think I've seen it, is the, is the, is the sheep lost and away from its flock. 
Perhaps you're there trying to shepherd them to safety or perhaps they've had leadership around them as they flee and they run into the fence. And and they are helpless. They are harassed as they run into the fence. We get this really clear picture of the people that, that Jesus sees. The commentaries indicate that not only are they lacking in leadership, but the leaders over them have actually been leading them astray. Their leaders have been devouring them placing religious burdens upon them and exploiting them in many ways. I wonder if we were to explore the leadership of the crowds today, where that might take us in that conversation. But Jesus looks at the lost and he sees them. He looks at his sheep and he cares. He doesn't run away. He's not too busy. He's not too tired. He's not asleep. He's not too busy to care. Or respond. He wants to pursue every last sheep. I mean, we celebrate a little bit what I said before, but my thought here is do we always respond like that? Because I know I don't, and I really wish I did. But Jesus' response is compassion. He returns for the lost, for the brokenhearted, he sits with the sinner, speaks with the foreigner, weeps with the broken prostitute, forgives the proud, arrogant man or woman who begs for mercy when they realise in their poverty that they are actually helpless. They are actually harassed. They are like a sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus is the good shepherd. Amen? Amen. I do hope all of us have experienced the compassion of Jesus, but maybe like me, You need God's spirit again to soften your heart up a little bit. Just to offer compassion to the world afresh once again. His hope, his love and his guidance, they are like no other. They are like no other. My third point is Jesus looks and sees a harvest Verse 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. My wife and I, before we uh, had our five little Bonnie Hills natives running the streets, did a little bit of travelling, like once upon a time did happen, didn't it? Um, And I remember being on a three-day trek with a friend through Laos. We stopped somewhere for a bite to eat. I remember we met a man of about 70 years of age and he invited us into his home for a small bite to eat. We took a seat, gave him a small fee, and politely I asked if we could say grace. His eyes lit up. Our young friend translated to us that this man had recently been brought the gospel. Rice field after rice field, the gospel got there. He didn't have a Bible to read in his language, but he's jumping out of his skin at finding some Christians who were travelling with a Bible that I had out who knew of this Jesus as well. There's so many like him, right? The harvest is plentiful. There is a harvest of billions of people in our world that need to hear and see the gospel. And it might be in Laos, it might be in China, 
It might be in Africa, it might be in Ireland, it might be in another place abroad. We've also heard that it's in North Haven, it's in Bonnie Hills, it's in Port Macquarie, it's in Tellypoint, it's in Lake Caddy, it's at the corner shop, it's in the local club, it's at your school, your workplace, it's in your living room. They're at our doorstep, in our lives, and it is exciting. It is exciting. Like you, I don't know, but maybe you get beaten about by that sometimes, but it is exciting. It's an exciting opportunity to be on this mission. Amen? I hope you're with me. Point four, prayer and partnership. Verse 38 says, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I don't know. Is it not amazing that God wants to delegate his work to you and me? Really? Do you reckon he needs his disciples? Do you reckon he needs us? little story about Jimmy. Jimmy's a builder. And his nine-year-old son, Tom, repeatedly pesters him to come and do some work on site with him. After months of badgering from Tom, Dad Jimmy lets him come and join him one Saturday. Tom's pumped. Everyone's pumped, aren't they? Dad Jimmy provides Tom with a nail bag, some tools, and a few screws and nails. Jimmy works out pretty quickly that Tom's not much use on site. Tom bends over a lot and drops the tools. The screws fall out, the nails fall out. Tom even kicks a few things over. He trips over leads. He makes a bit of a mess of the site. But Jimmy's his dad. Jimmy loves Tom. He wants to partner with him. And he wants to let him share in the joy of the building. Is that what's going on here in these verses? Jesus asks his disciples, and us, I think, to help with the building. Do you reckon he needs it? Do you reckon he really even needs their prayer or our prayer? Really, does he really, really need us to be a part of it? Could he not just do it all on his own? And I hope we hear that and think this might be the most exciting thing we'll do with our lives, that we could partner with Jesus in building the kingdom. We're dropping nails all over the joint. We're dropping tools. We're kicking leads out of the wall. But he asks us to partner with him in the harvest. How? By pray, by prayer. What do we do about the harvest? We pray. But no one prays. <laughs> well, I'm not very good at it. What is astounding here in this verse is that Jesus is prompting his disciples to be a part of his work and his building and his kingdom. Like the fishermen, the fishermen that first hear Jesus' voice and cast their nets across the other side of the boat and go from catching nothing to drawing in a huge catch. Like that picture, his followers are most effective in the world when they are not focused on their busyness, on their stuff, but when we listen to the word of Jesus when he speaks. That's when we see Jesus in our life. When we ask, when we listen, when we're most, we are most effective. And I wonder how good at that you are. 
I could certainly do with some improvement. I'll confess that I really come from a long line of busy people. Not only that, I live in a world that values task and achievement above all else. And this places a reduced value on me sitting, me hearing the voice of God in my life. It burdens me a little bit because I see the harvest. I know there's one there. The workers are few. I find myself hungry for God's work, but I get tangled up in the web of not listening or hearing him as to where I should even cast my net. But Jesus looks at the crowd. He sees their distress. He feels their compassion. He sees a potential harvest and he commands us to pray it in. John Piper, another pretty clever guy, says it like this. There is only one possible answer. God has willed that his miraculous work of harvesting be preceded by prayer. He loves to bless the world. But even more, he loves to bless the world in answer to prayer. It's God's way before he does a great work to pour a spirit of supplication upon his people so that they plead for the work. We need compassion for these people, Piper goes on. We need to feel pity for them, pity that makes us earnest and concerned for their eternal welfare. We need to see the potential of conversion. We must look not to our failures and our incompetencies. The harvest we want, in any case, is impossible with man. The potential all lies with God. What is impossible with men is possible with God. With God, helpless sheep become a plentiful harvest. Therefore, we must pray to the Lord of the harvest. The words of Piper. And as I read that, I think of John 10.10 as well. What's the kingdom? What What are we asking people to come and take a part in? It is a life lived to the full. That is the life in the kingdom, the life as a Christian, the life with God, the life with Jesus ruling our hearts. This passage reminds us of Jesus' compassion. It reminds us that Jesus didn't do mission out of, he did a mission out of compassion, not duty. It serves to remind us that Jesus chose and continues to use human agents to do kingdom work. That's us. We stand side by side with the king of the cosmos. Do we want to be a part of the harvest? I think we do. I think we've shown that we do. The passage also reminds us that prayer is the power behind mission. Strategy is exciting. Strategy is useful. Money is exciting. Money is useful. Gathering and building teams is exciting and useful. New concepts and ideas are exciting and useful, but none of it is possible without prayer. Ask him, hear his voice. He is the Lord of the harvest. Here I am, pick me. So I don't want this passage to load us up with things to do or for us to feel lousy about our prayer life tonight. 
But I would love, in closing, to consider joining me in a couple of things this week. One is, celebrate this church. Celebrate the work that takes place in this church. Maybe overcome our critical spirit about all things in humanity which we do and be a part of the great work that goes on. If you've sat around the fringes, get your hands dirty in the kingdom work that takes place within this humble community. Speak today and speak to me, speak to someone about jumping in and being a part of exciting kingdom work where people's lives are transformed. Two, before, we, before our feet hit the floor this, morning, this week, can you join me in not taking a step further before you just ask, what are you up to today, God? What's your spirit doing? Who are you speaking to? It's really exciting stuff, and I think I, I, I definitely know within my life when I'm doing that, I find myself in gospel conversations, in gospel work, finding myself more fruitful. Join me in that this week. Examine our hearts. Maybe this one's for me. I wonder if there might be a part of you, there's a part of me that's lost compassion. Jesus hasn't. He works 24-7. No tea breaks, no sleeping, no sitting on the lounge and watching the Wallabies beat the French last night. He works endlessly without ceasing to bring his people home. He's doing it right now. He's doing it here. He's doing it tonight. He's doing it all the time. I wonder if, like me, you've had some hardness in your heart where you've lacked compassion. You got busy. Let Jesus in. Ask him to help you in the harvest. And the last one. Join me and a couple of guys in Focus Fridays. We're gonna, I'm a teacher, I think by terms. Sorry for non-teachers. We do get a few holidays. But I think in terms. So for the next nine weeks, the next nine Fridays, we're doing Focus Friday, me and a couple of guys. We're going to give something up that means something to us on a Friday and pray into the harvest, into the kingdom, that God would do something with our hands and our hearts. Join me. Tell me how that's going. It's exciting to share with others when you're doing it. God is a God of compassion. He sees the lost and he asks us to join him in the harvest. The hymn that I read at the opening continues. I, the Lord of wind and flame, I will tend the poor and lame. I will set a feast for them. My hand will save. Finest bread I will provide. Till their hearts be satisfied, I will give my life to them. Whom shall I send? Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. I will hold your people in my heart. I will hold your people in my heart. Thanks, Sol. I hope we're ready with our hearts and hands to continue the great work that we get to do in his kingdom and to be excited 
not threatened, not overwhelmed, be excited about the work that we get to gospel proclaim and gospel demonstrate. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunity for us to sit here this afternoon and be reminded of your goodness. Lord, I pray for all of us that we would be coming to you afresh and being reminded of the great work that you have done and the reconciliation that you have brought between our rebellious hearts and you, God. Lord, I ask for all of us that if we're hearing that for the first time, that our hearts would respond without hesitation, but that would run to a compassionate and merciful God. I ask, Lord, if we're sitting there with their, where our hearts have been broken or our hearts are like stone, that the work of your spirit would soften and have us take part in kingdom work. Lord, I ask that where we see kingdom work as work that is least, less exciting than other things in our lives, that we would see the joy in taking part. That we'd see the privilege that you let us on site. You probably don't need us, but you let us take part with you. And Lord, I ask that we, you would renew us in understanding the bigness of you. That we are so small, but you let us put our hand to the work with you. That is great fun. That is exciting. That is scary and intimidating. But it certainly fills us up like nothing else. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Marty.